You're listening to A Date with Data with your host, Amy Bitterman. Hey, it's Amy, and I'm so excited to be hosting A Date with Data. I'll be chatting with state and district special education staff who, just like you, are dealing with IDEA data every day. A Date with Data is brought to you by the IDEA Data Center. Welcome to the second part of A Date with Data's conversation with the Ohio Special Education Data Team. We are going to continue our conversation about how the team works and collaborates together, and also hear about some of the exciting initiatives they're currently undertaking, as well as plans for the future. What are some of the initiatives that that this group is working on now and that you're really excited about? Can you share some stories or just, you know, talk about the the work that you're doing together? Um, So I guess I'll jump in and say um, something that is kind of exciting that we're working through is the EMIS work group for special education, where we're sitting down and talking to the field and getting their feedback in regards to a particular related services and whether we think that those would be program codes that would be worthy of having um, data reported on from the field. Um, I definitely be part of that process newly and kind of engaging in that conversation. I definitely think it's exciting because it's just another extension of why it's very important that we have open perspective and collaboration, not just within the data team, but across the department and even with the field. Um, Having that input from that work group, for example, has really provided a lot of insight about ongoing concerns or or things that maybe we may be able to implement changes or processes of improvement. And I definitely think being a part of that new process is exciting. Um, it definitely puts our minds in the, in the output of thinking, how can we provide better processes, whether that's coming from the data manager side of looking at the data and analyzing it differently and maybe making adjustments to our code for the indicators or Maybe if it comes to collecting new and more important data, as it is with related services, and then also thinking, you know, how can the data team and the monitoring team all come together to collaborate with us on figuring out what are new processes that we can put in place to really help bring forth any issues that we're seeing from the field and be able to address it appropriately. So I definitely think that's an exciting initiative that we're working on, and it really drives home the importance of us all working together cohesively. So that's one thing we're doing. Another thing that we're doing is working on getting more of our special ed data out to the public. So Mm -hmm. a lot of our data is buried (laughs) within our profiles and you can find it, but it's not in a place where most of our internal and external stakeholders know to locate it. Mm -hmm. So within uh, the Data Quality and Governance Office, we are working on multiple Power BI reports put on the same page where our local report card is. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have a page called Advanced Reports where there are just tons and tons of public data available for both internal and external stakeholders. So it's a slow going process kind of a painful process, (laughs) but by going through that pain, it'll make the special ed data more visible. And I think by doing that, it'll make people pay attention to special ed data more instead of just thinking it's kind of like a a side thought. Yeah. And you all have such an amazing, significant disproportionality dashboard too. So 
I'm sure you're kind of maybe using that as a model in some ways, or I've just always really turned to that example from from you all when other states, you know, are trying to do more of of that work on getting their data more publicly available. So I'm sure what we're, what you're working on now will be fantastic too. I'm glad you brought up significant <laughs> because that's one of the things I was gonna. Um, say that we've been excited about that we recently did a bunch of changes for kind of in the in the interest of getting more data out around significant disproportionality, even just through our special education profiles and the display that we mm -hmm. use for the data. We've changed a ton of those display rules over the last, I, I want to say, two iterations reporting so that we're showing now all of the data that we have for significant disproportionality, whereas previously we were only showing data for the districts and community schools who met the minimum group size. And if you're familiar with significant disproportionality, you can see how that might be problematic for districts who could then potentially be surprised that they've been flagged with significant disproportionality if they didn't get a warning in their previous profile that maybe the first year they didn't meet the minimum group size and then in the second and third year they were above that state threshold and now the next profile they get flagged mm -hmm. but they didn't have that warning previously so they didn't really know it was coming not that we had that happen at all but <laughs> with in avoiding that now is that everybody can see whatever data is reported, even if they're not meeting that minimum group size. And then we've also added, um, as kind of as part of our monitoring process, we provide action statements so that they know all of the processes that they need to go through if they do hit on any of our indicators. Um, and so one of those that we've added for disproportionality is a statement that tells them that they're at risk. Hmm. So not only can they see all of that data, but they're getting an explicit language there that says, hey, you're at risk if this, if you have a threshold above 2.5 for a third year, you'll be flagged in our next profile as well. Hmm. Um, just to jump in and add a little bit to that, another another thing that we do um, kind of focus on is continuous improvement of that monitoring tool that you had mentioned, the our special education profile. So in addition to those DISPRO things, we also have, have brought in um, some additional support on our indicators about graduation and dropout. So we've added those to the process as far as supporting districts and having required actions depending on their, you know, their their data in those areas as well. So it's really nice because we always do have an opportunity to take a, a continuous improvement mindset when it comes to the special education profiles and think about, okay, what are state initiatives? What do we really need to change our focus on in the office? The reason that we kind of brought those into our um, special education profile monitoring system in the first place is to address our areas for improvement in our state determination. So it's really nice to kind of have that connection and to have that feedback and to be able to make those continuous improvement changes as well as supporting what we already have in the system. Great. Well, there's certainly a lot happening of a lot of exciting work going on and what about for the future? What what do you have coming up that you'd like to highlight? Well, based on what Matthew just said with our exiting indicators, our graduation mm -hmm. and dropout indicators, we are looking at potentially changing some of our business rules for those um, in terms of, of how that data is being reported. 
um, because we're getting a lot of feedback from the field, having this been the first time that we've had required actions on these two indicators, mm -hmm. we're, so we're getting a lot of feedback from the field. We're processing a lot of that internally. Um, we're getting a lot of feedback internally as well. So we're considering some updates um, to those indicators going forward, which I think will, will better our reporting in the, in the future. Mm -hmm. um, so changes both in our internal processes, but also um, improving our, our products in the end. One of the things that excites me and what we have coming up in the future too, is then the compilation of all the data that we can share with many of our stakeholders, districts, individual, or our regional systems of support and statewide, you know, because if we can provide, here's our overall profile as a state, here's where our strengths are, here's our opportunities for improvement. And I think getting that out to people and especially some of our stakeholders like our educational service centers and state support teams to help us help the state and districts move our numbers is pretty exciting. I mean, and let's face it, who doesn't get excited over data? Come on. <laughs> I think all of us do, at least. I was going to build on something that Ashley said and also refer back to what's a challenge and what's an advantage um, on being on the smaller team is that through monitoring, one of the data things that we collect is through the review of evaluations for indicators nine and 10. Um, we look at five records per disability category for which the district is flagged. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about that is there are two of us that do it. So we're really great iterators, but also there's just two of us that do it. So that month of January, you know, so that we can collect all of that and give it to Matthew who does our APR you know, to get that done, it, it, it's a challenge, but that's where we get a lot of information um, that we're able to share out to the systems of support for things that are needed. I'm really proud of the work that our team does. And I just want to read to you the vision statement that the team came up with. This is part of our own strategic planning. Mm -hmm. The vision of the data team is to articulate the experiences of Ohio students with disabilities by using data that improves educational outcomes and learning experiences. Nice. Yeah, I think <laughs> so too. I think so too. Even just having a vision statement, I think, is is pretty cool. Our mission statement is a little longer, but the vision <laughs> really sets us out for where we, you know, that's where we see ourselves headed. Yeah. Well. Thank you all so much. This was really informative and so interesting to hear about the work you're doing, especially how you're working together um, as a team. That's, I think, just so exciting and and unique. This is Johanna. So yeah. thank you for inviting us and and our team to mm -hmm. come there. You know, having a team is is really a special thing, but they they are excellent at what they do. They do communicate at all levels and all different means of communication. Um, they not only are sharing and communicating things out, but I think you heard them say too, they're excellent at listening. So they're listening to stakeholders, they're listening to our regional support teams, they're listening to districts, and they're bringing that information back to inform like how we can improve our process over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. and, and to have a team that's dedicated to doing that mm -hmm. is as a state leader with this work is is amazing. Um, just, there's so many different angles and so many different perspectives that come together to to drive that. It's it's just compounds. It uh, multiplies faster. Mm -hmm. than that. 
and they produce work that's amazing. So I'm very thankful for them as a team as well. Well, thank you all again for your time and just sharing how this has, you know, been working for you all. And it, it just is so exciting to to hear about. So thank you. Thank you, Amy, for having us. To access podcast resources, submit questions related to today's episode, or if you have ideas for future topics, we'd love to hear from you. The links are in the episode content, or connect with us via the podcast page on the IDC website at ideadata.org.